Hey everyone, welcome to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts, where every week we cover the latest in music news, reviews, interviews, releases, discovery, history, and more. I'm your host, Chris Zappa, and as always, the world of music is a busy place, so without further ado, ground control to listener, take your protein pills, put your helmet on, this podcast ain't gonna listen to itself... Welcome back, Zappagrammers, to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts and newsletters. I'm your host, Chris Zappa. This is episode number 78. How's everybody doing out there this week? As we roll into fall, things are cooling down, but they're heating up in the world of music. We have a lot of things to talk about this week. Uh, First of all, I just want to draw everyone's attention to the fact that there are two bands right now that are very popular. One is named Goose, and the other one is named Geese. I find that incredibly coincidental. More importantly, I want to talk about a, uh, a friend that I've made over the last few weeks. His name is John Runnels, and he makes music as Morning Bear. And uh, listen to this. Morning Bear is finally waking up from a long hibernation to release a new single for the first time in six years. The single has just come out. The brainchild of Denver-based singer-songwriter John Runnels, Morning Bear is an orchestral indie folk project that channels emotion through vivid imagery and intricate melodies. Characterized by highly dynamic compositions, Morning Bear's music is a synthesis of the calm and delicate stylings of artists like Bon Iver and Jose Gonzalez with the complexity and depth of Fleet Foxes and Sufjan Stevens. Featuring soaring vocals and atypical arrangements, including cello, violin, piano, and more, Morning Bear provides a textured landscape behind pop-influenced hooks. And let me just tell you, um, beautiful beautiful music. I am in love with the music that John makes as Morning Bear. It's incredible. It's on this week's playlist. It's the very first track. I am imploring everyone to listen to it. Once you hear it, you will be a fan. Now there's something else I want to talk about. Movie theater employees have just come off of one of the biggest summers of film releases in recent years. Between Barbie and Oppenheimer, they have witnessed endless seas of hot pink outfits and film bros dying to mansplain World War II to their girlfriends. Meanwhile, employees working at stadiums were spending their summer encountering a similar scene, except their audiences were dressed in the vision of each Taylor Swift studio album, and they were only interested in over-explaining potential Easter eggs hidden in the high-scale production of the Eras Tour. But uh, now, those two worlds have collided. The Eras Tour movie has hit theaters across the country. And uh, just like TikTok was overtaken by the Eras Tour itself, you couldn't uh, scroll, you know, one video to the next without seeing all Eras Tour videos. Now, there are people doing the same thing, basically, but from the Eras Tour movie from the theater. And let me tell you something. And and I don't want to get in trouble with any Swifties. Okay, so I'm not I'm not shit talking Swifties. But it's one thing if you were to go to the Eras Tour. I think I still would have been annoyed if I'd gone to the Eras Tour and I couldn't hear Taylor Swift sing because I heard the seventy thousand people around me sing. But I 
get it. You know, I mean, if I'd paid thousands of dollars for that, that might have upset me. I don't know. I don't know how it would have felt in the moment. I know everybody was just having a good time and they were crazy excited and I wouldn't want to rain on anybody's parade. So, you know, you do you. Having said that and having seen these videos that are coming out of these movie theaters across the country, it's like everyone that attends the movie thinks they're actually at the concert because they're going crazy in the theaters. They're singing at the top of their lungs and screaming and cheering and dancing in the aisles, down in the front, next to the screens, you know, in their seats. Um, it's crazy. It's absolute craziness. So if you want to see this movie to take in what the concert might have been like, you might want to wait until it's available to watch it at home so you can actually see it and hear it as opposed to seeing and hearing everybody else around you. You know, I want to hear Taylor Swift sing and perform and watch her perform. I don't want to watch Becky and Jessica uh, do it. So uh, anyway, that's just a thing. It's out there. Be aware of it. Again, all love and no hate to all of the Swifties. I know you're still just you know, enjoying yourself. You're in your era's era and, and it is what it is. It's, it's all good. You, you do you. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about this later in the show, but Boy Genius, uh, not too long ago, put out a full length LP, right? Titled The Record. And uh, this past weekend, they released The Rest, which is a short EP for songs that were recorded during the same sessions that did not make it onto The Record. Boy Genius, of course, being the super group comprised of Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, and Lucy Dacus. So I'm listening to this new EP, right? And there's a song on there called Afraid of Heights. And the lyrics in this song just kind of struck me as, uh, as, as interesting. And uh, there was one section I just wanted to share with everybody. If you get a chance to listen to it, uh, check it out. Uh, but the lyrics go, I never rode a motorcycle. I've never smoked a cigarette. I want to live a vibrant life, but I want to die a boring death. I know I was a disappointment. Know you wanted me to take a risk. Not everybody gets the chance to live a life that isn't dangerous. And, um, you know, because this is not a news show or a politics show, uh, I don't want to uh, to go into this too much, but uh, that line of that song really had me thinking about all of the tragedy that's happening in the Middle East right now. And the, the last line specifically, not everybody gets the chance to live a life that isn't dangerous really makes you think. But uh, anyway, moving on, um, I learned something this past week that I had to share with all of you. It has nothing to do with music. It has everything to do with uh, evil clowns. And here's the thing. There's an irrational fear of clowns, right, is not known as clown phobia. It's called colrophobia, C-O-U-L-R-O-P-H-O-B-I-A, colrophobia. Why wouldn't you just call it clown phobia, right? Was clown phobia taken already? And that's like the irrational fear of hummingbirds, because that would make as much sense. No? Anyway, it's that time of the year, you know, where evil clowns are popping up here and there. And um, and I was, I was looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the 10 scariest horror movies ever. The top five. Um, number five was Texas Chainsaw Massacre which I never saw. Number four was The Shining. Very good. Very scary. Number three was The Conjuring. Uh, number two was Hereditary. I don't know that I saw either one of those movies. And the number one scariest movie of all time. Anyone? Anyone? The Exorcist. Yep. Movie that came out in the 70s. 
is still regarded as the scariest movie of all time. I uh, accidentally saw that movie on TV when I was maybe 10 years old uh, for the first time. Parents obviously didn't know what I was watching, and it scared the shit out of 10-year-old me. So here's a fun story. For the next three months after I saw that, I wouldn't sleep in my room. I wouldn't sleep in my bed in my room. I had to sleep on the couch in the living room with all of the lights on and the TV tuned to the home shopping network because the the ladies that were talking about things that they were selling on the home shopping network just sounded so happy and perky and normal and not scary. And that's what I had to do for like three months after seeing that movie as a 10-year-old. I don't think any kid should see that movie. It'll, it'll fuck you up. I've, of course, gone back and rewatched it several times over the years, and uh, it's still a really well-done horror movie. As horror movies go, it's still still creepy as hell. You know, every week I kick the show off with a quote. Our quote of the week comes from an artist whose act was a bizarre concoction of voodoo aesthetics and theatrical shenanigans that left audiences bewildered and entranced. Imagine stepping into a dim, smoke-filled room and being greeted by the eerie glow of a flaming skull. Our man didn't just walk onto the stage. Oh, no, no, no. He emerged from a coffin. In a heart-stopping scream, he'd belt out tunes that made the audience quiver. His voice was a wild, untamed beast, and his performance a melodramatic circus that flirted with the macabre. The ominous organ chords that punctuated his songs added to the delightful creep factor, and yet amidst the outrageous facade, there was this raw, unfiltered talent that commanded a listener's respect. His artistry was a spectacle like nothing else, especially of his era, and his name was Screamin' Jay Hawkins. So our quote of the week comes from Screamin' Jay Hawkins, who said, I came into this world black, naked, and ugly. And no matter how much I accumulate here, it's a short journey. I will go out of this world black, naked, and ugly. So I enjoy life. What a dude, man. What a dude. I put a spell on you. That's going on next week's playlist. Next week's playlist is going to be a Halloween-y playlist. We're talking a little bit about Halloween now, but next week's playlist, gonna have all the good spooky songs on there, of course. Couldn't not, right? I couldn't let Halloween pass without having a Halloween-themed playlist. No, no, no. That would never do. So you can look forward to that next weekend. And speaking of playlists, last week's Rock the Vote poll, I asked what's the perfect length for a weekly playlist? Would it be 10 songs or less or 10 songs or more? An overwhelming majority of you, 77% of you said 10 songs or less. Uh, Only 23% of you prefer really long ass playlists. I know at least one of my friends who prefers the longer, the better playlist. Uh, But here's what I'm going to do. Because uh, 77% of you said 10 songs, or less. Uh, Every week when I put together the Zappagram playlist, there's usually a minimum of 13 songs on that fucker, but I'm going to trim that back down. So we're going to go back to doing 10 songs every week. There won't be less, there won't be more. Okay, I can't make any guarantees that there might not be more. Some weeks there, I may have to squeeze an extra song or two on there for whatever reason, but I'm going to try to shoot for 10 just to keep it, you know, that's that's a good even round number And uh, you can look forward to 10 songs every week from me. This week in the Rock the Vote poll, I'm asking what's the best song associated with Halloween besides Thriller, Ghostbusters, or Time Warp. Those don't count. Your options are I Put a Spell on You, Screamin' Jay Hawkins, Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell, Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon, 
People Are Strange by The Doors, or Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. That was a creepy-ass song. And a little fun fact. Somebody's watching me. Remember that? Everybody remembers that. The guy that sang that was Michael Jackson's cousin. And Michael Jackson does backup vocals on that track because Rockwell, that, that was his cousin. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Fun fact, huh? The more you know. You guys know I do a weekly playlist every week with the podcast and the newsletter. Zappagram playlist is available on Spotify and Apple Music every single week. There's a new one. This week, we're on number 78, and the playlist includes new music from Morning Bear, Taxiway, Sarah Jarose, Maddie Diaz, Tyler Ramsey, Joy Elodicon, Black Pumas, Break, Slater Kenny, and Lenny Kravitz. Ooh, that's a lot of good new music. You guys gotta go check that out, huh? Be sure to give it a listen. Let me know if you find your new favorite song. I think you're going to find at least one or two or three songs on this new playlist that you love. So be sure to let me know. Hit me up. Hey at ChrisZappa.com. Tell me which one of these songs changes your life. And with that, everybody, it's time to jump into this week's music news. Kicking things off with this week's music news, Bruce Springsteen has given an update on his, quote, monster peptic ulcer disease. Uh, The life of a rock star isn't always as glamorous as it's cracked up to be, especially when you have uh, peptic ulcer disease. The boss had uh, put a rain check on his 2023 tour with the E Street Band, pushing all future dates back to next year. Seems that he just recently celebrated his 74th birthday, and he is on the mend, but he will continue treatment throughout the year as per doctor's orders. On his Sirius XM E Street radio show, Springsteen apologized to his fans, dubbing himself your favorite rock star with a bitch of a bellyache. The band Tool, one of my favorite bands, maybe my favorite band ever, uh, is on a fall North American tour and they have announced a 2024 U.S. arena tour. And they're also hinting at other good things to come in a bout of sporadic generosity. Maynard James Keenan revealed that they have a new album that's uh, either either completely done or just awaiting the magical touch of mastering. I'm not exactly sure which, but he said the arrival should be sometime between May and July of next year. This coming on the heels of their last album that was released after a 13 years. It was 13 years that we Tool fans waited for a new album, but it looks like we will not be waiting another 13 years, thank God, for another album. So hopefully by the middle of next year, we're going to have new Tool music. I, for one, cannot wait for that. Fans of the police will, the band, not the actual police, uh, will be happy to hear that Stuart Copeland, the drummer, documents the police's early days in a new book titled Police Diaries. Stuart Copeland, the rhythmic backbone of the police, has taken a stroll down memory lane with his upcoming book Police Diaries, set to hit shelves on October the 26th. This tome is pegged as the band's truest account of their early days, encapsulating the starving years from 1976 to 1979. Uh, Through scans of original diary entries enriched with fresh commentary, Copeland promises a candid peek into the early phase of the band destined for stardom. Ah, the nostalgia of ramen-fueled dreams and creaky tour vans. The FTC has proposed a ban on hidden concert ticket fees. Ah, the sweet music of bureaucracy, aiming to hit the right notes in the cacophonous melody of concert ticketing. 
the FTC decided to step onto the stage October 11th with a proposal aimed at tuning out the discordant junk fees that have been playing a bit too much into uh, ticket pricing for consumers liking. This proposal could make the cost of concert tickets a bit less of a mystery, perhaps bringing them down from the stratospheric heights they sometimes reach with those hidden fees get tacked on. With this potential change in the ticketing tune, concert goers might find the price of admission to be more of a uh, harmonious melody rather than a discordant screech. The FTC's latest set list includes a track that could prohibit these hidden and falsely advertised fees not just in the realm of concert tickets but also in the broad genre of travel expenses and beyond so the next time you're facing the music of ticket fees remember the ftc might just be working on a remix Violent Femmes are set to rekindle the raw, youthful energy of their 1983 self-titled debut album with a swanky 40th anniversary reissue. I cannot believe that album is 40 years old. This isn't just a run-of-the-mill anniversary nod, but a hearty ensemble featuring more than a dozen demos, b-sides, and live performances that'll transport you back to the band's early days, possibly with a side of angst and a dash of nostalgia. I remember where I was the first time I heard that album, and I'm thinking back on it now, I was just, I was a little kid. I was nine, ten years old, something like that. The curtain lifts on this musical time capsule December the 1st, unveiling a digital deluxe edition for the modern audiophiles and a sumptuous box set edition planned for a February release for the traditionalists among us. So if the original album was your Teenage Rebellion soundtrack or you're a latecomer eager to bask in the vintage indie glory, this reissue has got you covered. Sadly, this past week, Rudolph Isley, cherished singer and songwriter and foundational member of the iconic Isley Brothers, passed away on October the 11th at the age of 84. His life and career were a testament to his musical prowess, epitomized in timeless hits such as Shout, It's Your Thing, and Twist and Shout. Hailing from Cincinnati, Ohio, Rudolph and his brothers got their start singing in church. One of his younger brothers, Vernon, uh, passed away as a result of a traffic accident, marking a poignant chapter in their shared history. The news of Rudolph's passing was confirmed by the Isley Brothers social media accounts this past week. We are very sorry to hear about that. Steely Dan's Donald Fagan has been on tour with the Eagles, and I was going to report on the fact that he's had to cancel several shows with the Eagles because he was hospitalized, Uh, and now I'm instead reporting on the fact that he is out of the hospital, but it's after this unspecified illness uh, put him in the hospital. Now he's better, and he's out, but he's recovering, Um, so it's still unclear as to uh, both the nature of his illness and whether or not he will resume these shows with the Eagles. In his absence, the Steve Miller Band filled in for him on a few of the shows. Uh, It was also reported that five members of the Eagles road crew tested positive for COVID. So there's just, uh, there's, it's, it's still out there, everybody. COVID's still out there. I have uh, several dear family members right now who have COVID. So um, if you haven't gotten your latest vax, go get it. If you aren't wearing a mask, what the hell are you doing? I don't mean to preach. I'm just trying to tell you, like, the shit's still out there and it's still taking people down. Um, So we don't know if Donald Fagan was one of the ones that had COVID and that's what put him in the hospital. But either way, um, I'm glad that he's out and I hope that he's doing much better now. 
In more news of someone who's under the weather, Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth has had to cancel his book tour due to a, quote, debilitating health condition. Not sure what that is either. In August, Thurston Moore announced a book tour in support of his memoir, Sonic Life. The tour was set to begin later this month in the U.S., but Moore has now canceled his dates in North America, citing a long-standing health condition that has, quote, become rather and consistently debilitating. His book, Sonic Life, is out on October the 24th, via Doubleday. The book follows his life in New York and the founding of Sonic Youth and, of course, his years in the band. Uh, not sure what's going on with his health, but, man, I hope it's uh, I hope it's not as debilitating as it's uh, made to sound, but it, it apparently is. Anyway, I just hope that he, uh, he gets better or reaches some sort of, uh, you know, plateau where things aren't really going downhill for him because uh, that, that sucks. Getting old sucks. Take it from me. I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of Les Claypool and everything he has ever done. Les Claypool has announced a career-spanning box set called Adverse Yaw, the prawn song. The prolific solo career of Les Claypool is being condensed into a new box set that will be out off February the 9th. Adverse Yaw will compile highlights of Claypool's discography outside the work he's most widely known for in Primus. This includes his various other projects like Fearless Flying Frog Brigade, Colonel Claypool's Bucket of Bernie Brains, and The Fancy Band. The set will feature five albums total, Live Frogs, sets one and two, Purple Onion, of Whales and Woe, and of Fungi and Foe, plus The Big Eyeball in the Sky, which is being pressed to vinyl for the very first time. Pre-orders for Adverse Yaw, the Prawn Song box set, are ongoing. Claypool's Fearless Flying Frog Brigade will still have a few dates left on their 2023 tour. You can find tickets for those shows online right now as well. Explosions in the Sky announced vinyl reissues for their early albums. They've unveiled vinyl reissues celebrating the 20th anniversaries of both 2001's Those Who Tell the Truth Shall Die, Those Who Tell the Truth Shall Live Forever, and 2003's The Earth Is Not a Cold Dead Place. Those are due out November the 3rd. They were remastered and will mark the first colored vinyl releases for either album. They also feature expanded artwork and triple gatefold jackets with a heavyweight slipcase. It sounds like a Really nice reissue. Pre-orders are ongoing for both of those albums right now. Explosions in the Sky released their eighth album, End, in September. Having wrapped up the U.S. leg of their ongoing The End tour, the band will trek across Europe through November. Tickets for those remaining international dates are uh, still available right now. Finally, wrapping up the music news this week, do we have any Lana Del Rey fans in the house? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, Taylor Swift is a fan. Back in March when Lana released her ninth studio album, Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard, Taylor Swift lauded the album as extraordinary, saying that she is the best that we have. I think we need to make it a priority as a group to stream, buy, support this album and this artist. Well, turns out Lana Del Rey is just a really good person as well. She has revealed uh, that she donated ticket sales from her latest U.S. tour back into all of the cities that she played. Last week during the tour's finale in Charleston, West Virginia, she said to the audience, uh, she thanked them and said that she just wanted to say that every city I've gone to, every ticket, every dollar is poured right back into the city. It's not about the money for me, she added. I know that sounds cheesy, but I tour because I love it. I don't need to, I just love it. And we are all about the places that we've been. So that's really cool. 
cool that she donated all that money back into the cities where she played. Taylor Swift, of course, was known for doing something sort of similar on all of the stops. She uh, she bankrolled the food banks in all of those towns to the to the point where some of them just had so much money and food and whatever that they had to help other food banks and other neighboring towns around them. So good problem to have. But uh, I just love hearing these these good stories about good people doing good things with the tremendous resources that they have. That's good. Yeah, we need more good people, don't we? I think so. Hey, that's going to do it for this week's music news, but stick around. There's plenty more show to go. Three weeks ago, I started a new segment on the show called Asshole of the Week. My first asshole was Eric Clapton. Uh, My second asshole was Brian Warner, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson. And last week, I didn't have an asshole. Well, this week, to make up for it, I've got two assholes. And I'm just going to give a quick rundown about this. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. Um, honestly, because I don't really know shit about either of these artists. The first one is a St. Louis-based rapper named Sexy Red. She has become the latest entertainer to wrangle the public by openly supporting former President Donald Trump. I don't even like to use the word president next to his name. Uh, the former guy. She she was a supporter of his and, and still is. And she appeared on Theo Vaughn's podcast and uh, they were talking about Trump and she was saying, you know, Trump's good because he gave us checks. And there's so much fucking stupid about that statement. I'm not even going to go into it. But uh, that told me all I needed to know that she's a complete fucking idiot and an asshole. And the other asshole is Doja Cat. I also don't know jack shit about Doja Cat. Doja Cat is a pop star, I guess. And uh, she's been kind of an asshole in the past to uh, a lot of people. A lot of her fans, she's been assholes to them. And this past week, she's been slammed by her fans after she was wearing a t-shirt with an image of an alt-right comic on it. So apparently she thinks this uh, this Nazi comic is funny and, and wore a t-shirt and took a selfie of it and put it online. So I don't really need to know much more about her than that. She's an asshole too. So uh, fuck both of these people. Idiots and assholes. We're up to here with idiots and assholes. I've had it up to here with idiots and assholes, I'll tell you that much. That's for goddamn sure. Moving on to the finer things in life brings us to Z-Rex, Zappa's recommendations. This week, I have a video of Caroline Polachek, who played the Tiny Desk concert, NPR's Tiny Desk. It's a must-see for any fan of hers. She's incredible, incredibly talented, and uh, just wonderful. Did four songs, sounded great. Uh, Her whole band was amazing. Great all around. Watch this. It's really good. New releases this past week had a few. Boy Genius released their EP. Holly Humberstone had a new album. Margot Price had a new album. Molly Pardon had a new album. No, I did not say Dolly Parton. I said Molly Pardon. And Ringo Starr put out a new EP as well. Of those, I think the uh, the Boy Genius is very um, Boy Geniusy. I like the lyrics of that one song that I talked about at the top of the show. I always liked Margot Price, but Molly Pardon, her album Sacramented. Yeah, man, that's the one you need to go listen to this week. On the release radar, that's music that's coming out over the next 30 days or so. Next Friday, we're looking for new music from Blink-182, Bombay Bicycle Club, Devo, Duff McKagan, The Rolling Stones, and The Shins have a 20th anniversary remaster of Shoots Too Narrow. 
Next week, October 27th, new albums coming from Black Pumas, DJ Shadow, The Gaslight Anthem, Jose Gonzalez as a 20th anniversary edition of Veneer, The Kills' new album God Games, Nirvana has an in utero 30th anniversary super deluxe edition, Prince has a super deluxe edition of Diamonds and Pearls, Taylor Swift's 1989 Taylor's version comes out, and a vinyl reissue of U2's Zuropa. November 3rd, Bob Marley and the Whalers drop Catch a Fire, the 50th anniversary edition. Christine McVie has two reissues of her albums, uh, solo albums, that are coming out. Cold War Kids, Dave Matthews Band, Frank Zappa's Overnight Sensation gets its 50th anniversary edition release. Jimmy Buffett's final album comes out. Neil Young, Time Fades Away, 50. Again, another 50th anniversary. Semisonic has Little Bit of Sun, and The Struts are coming out with an album called Pretty Vicious. Finally, on November 10th, new albums coming from Beirut, Cat Power, Jimi Hendrix Experience, New Order is putting out a 2023 expanded reissue of Substance, Public Enemy has a vinyl reissue of It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, REM is doing a 25th anniversary edition of Up, and Social Distortion has a vinyl reissue of Mommy's Little Monster. All of that is on the way over the next 30 days or so. Hey kids, it's time for your history lesson. This brings us to On This Date, Musical Happenings of Historical Significance. On October the 16th, we celebrate the birthdays of Nico, Bob Weir of Grateful Dead, Bob Mould, Flea, and John Mayer. Also, on October the 16th of 2006, legendary New York City punk club CBGB's closed its doors after 33 years. That's a sad day in music history. But on an upswing for that day, October 16th, back in 2015, Patti Smith was said to be moved to tears after a fan returned a bag of stolen goods to the singer 36 years after they went missing. Uh, this included a shirt worn for the 1978 Rolling Stone cover shoot that she did, as well as a bandana given to her by her late brother. The items went missing in June of 1979 when a truck, which was carrying $40,000 in equipment, um, amplifiers, guitars, and all sorts of other musical items, was stolen from outside a hotel after Smith and her band played a show at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. I would be so happy to get those things back, but I would have some questions. October 17th birthdays include Barney Kessel, Jim Seals, Ziggy Marley, Wyclef Jean, and Eminem. Also, on that day in 2008, four-top singer Levi Stubbs died at his Detroit home, age 72. On October the 18th, we celebrate the birthdays of Chuck Berry and Laura Nairo. Uh, and on that same day in 2005, an image of a naked John Lennon taken on the last day of his life was named the top U.S. magazine cover of the past 40 years. The Rolling Stone front cover taken by Annie Leibovitz and showing Lennon curled around Yoko Ono was picked by editors, artists, and designers as the top U.S. magazine cover of the last 40 years. I was familiar with that image. I did not know that it was taken on the last day of his life. That's fascinating. Here's your music history for October 19th. Peter Tosh celebrates his birthday, as does Pat Simmons of the Doobie Brothers. That same day, Aha! Aha! went to number one on the U.S. singles charts with Take On Me, making them the first Norwegian group to score a U.S. number one hit. The video for the song featured the band in a pencil-sketched animation method called 
rotoscoping, combining live action with the animation. Uh, it won six awards and it was nominated for two others at the 1986 MTV Video Music Awards. This was back in 1985. God, that seems like 10 lifetimes ago. Also, October the 19th of 2020, Spencer Davis, one of the key figures of the 60s beat sing, uh, died at the age of 81. Spencer Davis of the Spencer Davis Group, uh, probably best known for their song, Gimme Some Lovin'. Everybody knows that one. October 20th, we celebrate the birthdays of Tom Petty and Snoop Dogg. Very important birthdays on that day. That same day in 1977, Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, and Cassie Gaines of Leonard Skinner were all killed along with their manager, Dean Kilpatrick, when their rented plane ran out of fuel and crashed into a densely wooded thicket in the middle of a swamp in Gillsburg, Mississippi. The crash seriously injured the rest of the band and the crew who were due to play at Louisiana State University that evening. October 21st, birthdays for Manfred Mann, Steve Cropper, Elvin Bishop, and uh, Lux Interior of the Cramps. Oh, also Steve Lukather and Julian Cope also celebrate birthdays on that day. That same day in 1995, Green Day singer Billy Joe Armstrong was arrested and fined $141 after mooning the audience during a gig in Milwaukee. That sounds about right. Finally, on October 22nd, we celebrate the birthdays of Leslie West of Mountain, Stiv Baders of the Dead Boy, and Shelby Lynn. That same day in 2003, October 22nd, Elliot Smith died under somewhat mysterious circumstances at the age of 34. His death on that date remains a topic of speculation and mystery among uh, many of his fans. The official cause of death was reported as a suicide, with him allegedly stabbing himself in the chest. However, some people, including those close to him, have expressed doubts regarding this conclusion due to certain unusual circumstances surrounding his death. For instance, the absence of hesitation wounds, which are typically present in cases of self-inflicted knife wounds, that raised some questions. Additionally, um, he was alone in this house with his girlfriend, and they had been fighting, and the neighbors had heard them fighting a lot, and things sounded pretty bad, so um, there's speculation that, you know, the girlfriend was somehow implicated in the death. The LAPD was never able to call an official cause of death, so his uh, case still remains open to this day. All right, Zappagrammers, we're winding down to the end of another jam-packed episode of your favorite music podcast, it's been fun being here with you guys again this week to explore what's been going on in the world of music. Big shout out to all of my listeners for tuning in. Thank you guys so very much. Before I sign off, remember to hit up zappagram.com and subscribe to the newsletter for all the latest updates. You can also support me and my efforts with a paid subscription to Zappagram. Be sure to follow me on social media, threads, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, all the places for more music-related content. Also, check out the Will Work for Vinyl shirts available in my shop. I'll be back next week with more music news, insights, and witty banter. Until we're back in each other's arms again next week, don't do anything I wouldn't do. I've been your host, Chris Zappa, and I am out of here. Music